The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. The Mental Health Commission's interim report into child and adolescent mental health services shows up some serious failings when it comes to the provision of care which is what its job is to provide. For more on this, I'm joined now by Social Affairs Correspondent with the Irish Times, Kitty Holland, and by the Head of Policy and Public Affairs at the Irish Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children, Fiona Jennings. Good morning and welcome to you both. Kitty, first of all, this is the front page story on the Irish Times. Um, You've been uh, through this interim report and from my reading, it seems to be a fairly shocking state of affairs. Yeah, I mean, it's um, so shocking did Dr. Susan Finnerty, the Chief Mental Health Inspector, find what she was looking at when she was reviewing the um, mental health services for children and adolescents that she decided she had to issue an interim report. She's only halfway through a review of all nine community health organisations, um, CAMS service. Um, but so shocking did she, was she, what she by what she was finding in four of the five so far that she felt she had to issue this interim report. And what she's finding is a service which, um, talking to psychiatrists working within it, is in massive, is in massive crisis. Um, she, she found um, children at significant risk of harm engaging with the service. And remember, these are children who are ill, who in some cases are quite seriously mentally ill, um, and others who are in a serious state of distress. You don't get onto a CAMS waiting list without being seriously emotionally and mentally distressed. Um, but she found that people were, young people and children were in need of appointment, were not, were not contacted, sometimes for up to two years, um, who were um, already within CAMS. But then beyond that, she finds poor moder- mod- monitoring of medication, children waiting days in emergency departments for psychiatric care, children left unreviewed for up to two years on antipsychotic medication with serious implications for their welfare, um, overwhelmed and um, overworked and inadequately supervised staff, meaning that they were um, often with workloads that they frankly couldn't cope with. Um, Psychiatrists, in some cases, not trained to work with children, but they're so desperate for staff that they're taking psychiatrists who are not on the specialist CAMS register, poor risk management, poor clinical governments, and in many of the the CAMS teams, not even a computer system to work with. Yeah, paper-based systems, so even, you know, accessing records would be very difficult. If you got a new person in, for example, who was on the the register, a new psychiatrist, they'd have to brief themselves uh, from paper records, which is not a very efficient way of... Yeah, not not a good way to do things. Um, Some of the stories that you recount, I mean, a a child four days in the emergency department of a hospital. I mean... Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's due to the lack of um, a consultant psychiatrist to assess them. Um, so this, this, we, one surmises that this child was in serious distress, perhaps on a Thursday evening, maybe it was a bank holiday, couldn't get to, or they were working in, a, in an area where there was only a psychiatrist working part-time, but they had to wait in an emergency department for four days. Can, I mean, just the trauma of that alone without being mentally distressed already um, on a child and the parents looking after them. Um, and, you know, Dr. Susan, Infinity found that children were actually um, being harmed by engaging with CAMS. Um, so, you know, a service, one mother I spoke to said, how can, a men- how can this, you be in a mental health service that makes your child's mental health worse? Um, and that kind of sums it up. Now, the HSE uh, Chief Operations Officer Damien McAllen uh, is quoted in your story. He has said a major improvement process was underway at CAMS and would be driven by a senior clinical operation team. 
Um, there's a will there, but he says there's an is as well. It is underway and will be driven. So uh, like a little bit of clarification there. Um, they also say that all identified children and young people or guardians were contacted. These are the people exposed uh, in this interim report and have received appropriate care, including face-to-face appointments and so on and so forth. Um, yeah. You know, is the interim report then out of date that they got early sight of it and then decided, oh, God, we better do something here because this is a very damning interim report? Well, I mean, I suppose, you know, in in medical care, you know, situations are dynamic and and fluid and changing all the time. But from speaking to psychiatrists um, who have worked within the CAM system, I spoke to two last week, um, and they both say that the the system, that from from the picture they paint, this is a very much up-to-date report. I mean, there may be, you know, details within it which are being tackled by the HSE, um, but, you know, the point should be made that, you know, it it took the interim. From, it took the Mental Health Commission perhaps to bring a lot of this to the HSE's attention or to kind of, um, f- f- do you want to say, force their hands, but to p- put pressure on them to start looking at it. So it's a very important report and, um, and significant and, from what I hear, very up-to-date. Um, the worrying aspect of, of uh, all of this, but particular kids on antipsychotic medication and their medic- medication is unreviewed for a couple of years. This is very powerful stuff. Very powerful medication. Yeah, yeah and um, and it's the it's it's medication that children were on, that were found to be on in South Kerry and left unreviewed and, and the impacts that had on, on children, which is now, you know, the solicitors are now taking up those families' cases. Um, they, like the children were left um, with personality changes, mood changes, unable to sleep, loss of appetite, loss of concentration, um, in some cases producing breast milk um, because of the impact on... So, you know, both a both physical and um, mental impacts of this medication, which, you know, need to be very closely monitored to see what the impact is. You know, as a child is growing, as their brain's developing, it, you know, the medication may be fine in July, but having, a you know, a detrimental effect by September so it needs to be very closely monitored and the, to, to think that they would be left for up to two years without um, adequate supervision mm. uh, you know, speaks to a huge failing and I suppose speaks to an understaffed and under-resourced and badly managed um, you know, for, the, for the best will in the world of the people working within CAMS who many are working overtime and really stretched and doing their utmost best for in a job that they want to do and do well but can't do it within the system that is um, in place at the moment. Yeah. Inside uh, your paper and Lucy has a, a case study and uh, it's about a, a teenager whose lead psychiatrist is working out of Dubai. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things that's mentioned in the report is that so so strapped are they for, for consultant psychiatrists um, that they are turning to telemedicine, telepsychiatry in some of the um, services and uh, you know it's not an isolated case that, um, that this is telemedicine it is, it's a, hopefully it's a once off that the psychiatrist is based in, in the Middle East but um, tele, uh, telepsychiatry is a thing that's happening in other CAMS teams as well and um, you know it, it, it's, it's not without merit and I suppose a lot of children are very familiar 
there with technology and work and you know communicating that way but it's it the, the jury is very definitely out on whether it's um as good as face-to-face um psychiatry yeah i mean the answer might be it's better than nothing uh, because nothing yeah. is the alternative uh, but still and uh, having to do a psychiatric consultation by zoom um, doesn't yeah. seem to me uh, a very uh, first world way of uh, doing things first world technology but not first world technique a- a- anyway the 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 this all boils down to numbers. I mean, they don't seem yeah. to have adequate numbers of qualified staff at all the different levels within CAMS. And these are the kind of positions that cannot be filled overnight. And also, yeah. you're wondering what might the inhibition be uh, for these professionals to joining CAMS? Is the work too tough? Um would they have to be based in outlying places, for example? You know, the the Dublin area might be attractive to some, but maybe uh, South Kerry or North Louth might not be attractive to others. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm speaking to people who've, who've worked within CAMS, I mean, they, they, they say that... It's a difficult. It's a difficult place to work. I mean, people who get into child psychiatry love the work. They love working with the families. They love, you know, making a difference for children. It's, you know, it's a very rewarding um, work to work to be in. But it's stressful, and it's um, there's a there's a the stakes are very high. And um, from talking to people, they don't feel adequately supported. That the resources aren't there. You know, th- basic things like a computer system. Um, but there isn't administration staff. That if they need an occupational therapist or speech and language therapists, they're often not available. Um, so, you know, they, they talk to each other, I'm sure, about what it's like to work within um, the HSE system and are possibly telling each other, you know, you're better working within a hospital group or you're better work at going private or you're... Um, so people aren't being attracted to the job. I mean, the case in South Kerry is is where, they, where they're doing the telepsychiatry from the Middle East. That post um, consultant psychiatry system vacancy is 2016 and they have tried and tried and tried. Now, what people are telling each other about what it's like to work in that team, I don't know. But it's obviously um, the the working conditions. I mean, there was one woman I was talking to, a, a retired psychiatrist. Um, she's now with the College of Psychiatry, and she was telling me, um, it's Dr. Maeve Doyle, that you know, things like lockers aren't available. Things to, think, you know, if you're on call, there's nothing, there's nowhere to get something to eat. Uh, you know, so there's, there's very basic working conditions. But things like getting paid is, is difficult. If you move team, you might not get paid for three weeks. So there's just, you know, issue after issue, it seems, within um, in the HSE, from what I'm hearing, about the working conditions um, and that people are just thinking, you know, I'd be better off going elsewhere. Um, so it's a complex picture and, um, and there, there seems to be yeah. a lot of problems with recruitment, both locally and, and nationally yeah. for senior. I, I don't and, know, and you know, is this down to the HSE with just too many strings to its bow, so none of them are um, functioning properly. You know, are you better off having independent republics that stand or fall on the quality of their own service and recruitment rather than going through the maw of a massive HSE? Uh, And we know all about its inefficiencies in, in other areas. Yeah, I mean, the other thing, of course, is the mental health budget is not what it should be. Um, and as one person pointed out to me, there's um, the under-18 population, which CAM service 
services is 25% of the population, yet CAMS gets 10.8% of the mental health budget. So it's underfunded. Um, and then there's an issue um, which is mentioned in the report and was mentioned to me by psychiatrists is that um, all recruitment now is done absolutely centrally, whereas it used to be more local. So yeah. if there's a head of a team down in, in, in Kerry or in Waterford or somewhere and they need a speech and language therapist, they used to have a budget to be able to recruit one. Now that has to go through the national HSE yeah. system. And this seems to be a disconnect between what's happening on the ground and at the national level. Yeah. And, and uh, ideally, you'd like to recruit uh, someone local to the area yeah. who likes living locally, who knows the area yeah. and who wants to live there, not someone who's going to be shoehorned from wherever into an area about which they know nothing uh, because the the HSE picks the the most excellent candidate who then, just before they're due to take up the job, finds a better job somewhere else. You know, it it does seem a very inefficient way. Look, Kitty, thank you very much for uh, shedding light on this interim report. We're expecting the final report sometime mid-year when uh, the Mental Health Commission has a chance to look at all the CAMS areas. Uh, Listening to our conversation Fiona Jennings, Head of Policy and Public Affairs at the Irish Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children. Fiona, good morning. Good morning, Pat. What do you make of all of this? I think the first thing, and Kitty, and you spoke about it at the top, and not to lose sight of it, is that the very fact that the Mental Health Commission has taken the decision to publish this interim report shows just the concern that they have for the service. Um you know, we're often looking for these reports to be published. But the fact that this has come a year early, I think that speaks volumes in terms of the crisis that the the service is actually in. And uh, the the fact that we've been talking about this uh, for a long time. I mean, one of my texters says uh, CAMS hasn't changed since the primetime investigates uh, of the Kerry South uh, scandal. A rich country indeed, but for whom? Sickening, shameful and shocking. Uh, That's from KD. And obviously that's what the Mental Health Commission felt, that they really had to go public with this ASAP to bring about change. I mean, if you've got, you know, children being referred to as lost children. So these are the children who've actually accessed the service. And, you know, for parents, often it's a huge relief when their children actually do get into CAMS and they get access to the service. But then we find that, you know, some children who are in the service, you know, in terms of the medication, that that's not being reviewed, the impact that has on the developing adolescent brain, I mean, you know, how do they know whether the child is progressing? Yeah. <clears throat> is their situation improving? But the fact that there's no follow-up, I mean, recently I got mm. a, a notification via email that my car was due for service. <laughs> you know, and that's only a car. You've got a child on a very strong medication and it would appear there's not a, a you know, a, a deliberate routine timed follow-up to, to check on how the kid is doing. And I think that comes back to, I mean, like, you know, CAMS need to know, is their intervention making a positive difference or not to the child's health, mental health? But I suppose that comes back then to maybe a combination of the staffing issues. And, you know, they've talked about, you know, the digital transformation process that's needed within the CAMS service. Everything is paper based. So I can imagine the incredible frustrations that's involved with that, ensuring continuity of care, ensuring, you know, even mapping out follow-up sessions for children and young people. And I mean, I know that it's been referred to that the service is at breaking point, but this report um, from what we've read and, you know, what we, the families and that we engage with and the professionals as well, there's some fantastic people within CAMS, 
But honestly, I think the system is utterly broken. And yes, there seems to be a commitment there from the HSE to tackle it. But I would question how far they're going to get with it because there's so many gaping um, holes in it. I'm wondering, and a number of listeners are also wondering, whether or not there isn't an availability to access uh, private uh, medical practitioners uh, who would be able to come in uh, under contract or even on a case-by-case basis with uh, the CAM service to get them through this very difficult phase. I mean, that's something that I suppose the, the HSE do need to sit down and look at, you know, in the short term, you know, what can be done in terms of bringing in community services that are there to deal with children who are perhaps at the, the low to moderate level and then to bring into what specialised access services that they're able to avail of as well. There absolutely needs to be that willingness there. Um I suppose with ourselves in ISPCC, mental health is consistently in the top two or three profiles of what children engage with us about. And anxiety is consistently the the, the top issue within that. Um, we support children where they are, whether it's at home or in school. So again, you know, with the HSE, do they need to look at the CAMS model of service delivery? You know, parents spoke about children not being able to come out of their rooms, come out of their homes. So therefore, then that's initially an, a barrier to accessing the service. So I do think we need to rethink the whole thing. Well, um, we, we heard, uh, I mentioned from the uh, reporting in the Irish Times that Damien McCallion has talked about a major improvement process was underway at CAMS and would be driven by a senior clinical stroke operational team. Uh, and I'm uh, you know, wondering about the is and will, because two different tenses, is it going on now or is it uh, just the intention? In other words, we will be doing something to get the heat off us uh, for uh, the the moment. Um, it's an interesting text I have in front of me now from a man called Aidan Marshall. He says the report in, onto mental health services should not be shocking to any politician at this stage. In fact, it's disingenuous for a politician to say so. 20 years ago, when I worked as a Garda, the same issues were there. Imagine listening to a mother pleading with you to arrest her son so that, as she believed, a judge would order the mental health services to help her son before the son either kills himself or somebody else. That's from Aidan, and that was about 20 years ago, so it's not as if um, there isn't enough adequate warning about uh, the inadequacies of the services on offer. Plus as well, Pat, I suppose, you know, we have to think about, you know, all the work that we're doing around well-being in schools and in the community and how we're giving children the vocabulary to speak out about their mental health and empowering them and encouraging them to seek support. But then those appropriate services are not there. Um, so, so, so that's a huge consideration as well. But also as well, you know, can't, we will always need CAMs, you know, because there will be the few who will need that specialised support. So we should have a fantastic, you know, world class mental health support system for children and young people. But what we also need to do is we need to invest at the other end of the line, if you want, at prevention and early intervention so that everyone is getting some type of supports um, that they're encouraged to talk about what's what's you know going on in their lives that they're able to identify changes in their behavior and that 
their resilience is built and that they're developing, I suppose, positive coping strategies. There's a lot of maladaptive coping strategies out there um, in terms of um, self-harm, suicidal ideation, um, you know, eating disorders to a certain degree can sometimes as well, um, you know, we forget about those and how we can, yeah. the supports we can put in place at the very early stage. And just as well, I suppose Ireland is before the, the UN Committee on the Rights of the Child over the next two days. So Minister um, for Children, Roderick O'Gorman, will be in Geneva and mental health issues will very much be at the centre of that, including some of the issues highlighted in these reports around the over-medicalisation of care, the lack of therapeutic support and the lack of standardization of care across the country as well. Uh, I don't think uh, he will be, the minister will be too delighted with the publication of this interim report just in time for his appearance in Geneva. But Fiona Jennings, Head of Policy and Public Affairs at the Irish Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children, thank you very much. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.